Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. If truth be told, I just met today's guest. We were part of the Education Speaker Summit, and I mentioned that I'm a podcaster. He immediately messaged me in the chat that he'd love to be on my show. And from the little that we interacted, I could tell he had been on quite a journey in his education career and that I would enjoy getting to know him, same as my listeners. And so I just want to say welcome to the podcast, Mike Crabtree. This is such a nice Nice thing for me because this is the first time really in all the episodes I've done where I really don't know my guest that well. Well, that's uh, that's great, Eileen. I am so excited to be here talking to you and talking to you uh, specifically about belonging. Uh, the whole concept is very dear and near to my heart and has been uh, even before I started a career as an educator. Yeah, I could tell that from just a little bit I gleaned from from the internet and things that you have posted. So I obviously don't know a whole lot about you and neither do my listeners. So please uh, tell us, tell us about Mike Crabtree. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Born and raised in Tennessee. Uh, from I'm uh, originally from uh, close to middle Tennessee, but grew up in a very rural community, a uh, small farm. Uh, was my experience growing up, working class family. Mm -hmm. uh, neither of my parents had finished uh, high school. My dad was just short of a credit. Uh, my mother uh, didn't attend high school. She went straight to work in a factory. Of course, that's some time ago. And um, uh, from there, I had uh, several great working experiences, but I'm the first generation mm -hmm. uh, college graduate from my family. And uh, that's uh, given me a lot of insight uh, about how uh, schools work because I come, I come to education uh, from outside of being a real successful student or having educated uh, really middle-class parents. Mm -hmm. When uh, uh, I, I've been, had an experience where I went to college, dropped out, uh, was encouraged to go back to college, uh, was encouraged to... Uh, to become an educator, which I felt like that was my path in, in life. And, and after 33 years, uh, a couple of years ago, I retired. Uh, uh, my educational journey includes being a uh, teacher of gifted students. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, my students always uh, made me say I was not a gifted teacher. I was a teacher <laughs> of gifted students. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're kind of smart like that. And um, from there, I was uh, uh, an administrator in special education system-wide. I went back to uh, the building level as an assistant principal at the high school level, then at the middle school level. And uh, my proudest moment was uh, serving seven years as a middle school principal. Uh, school was about 700, 750 students. 
uh, mostly rural, but a combination of uh, mm -hmm. rural and suburban students. From there, I went to the central office as assistant director of curriculum and instruction, had a chance to work with some great people who understood the mission, who loved each other, and we lifted some big rocks that we're all very, very proud of. My last act as an administrator was in March of 2020 mm -hmm. when uh, the pandemic led to a shutdown here in Tennessee. And uh, unfortunately, I've been on the sidelines watching as family and friends have gone through uh, all the all the trauma that's 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 brought along. So I'm at the point now to where I want to uh, contribute. I feel like I have something to say. I'm not bashful about saying it. Uh, I, I love life. I love living life and I love sharing life. And to me, there's no better place uh, for that to happen than within a school building. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. And that is quite a journey, quite a life's journey and a first generation to go to college and, and then end up in education. That, that really is a, a wonderful background for understanding many of your students and, and where they're coming from also. So the first question I always ask my guests, Mike, is if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Family and uh, family, and, and it extends beyond what you think about as kinship or, or even your friend circle. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, I, I think about the work environments that I've been in. Right. And one of the things I, I said that I was proud of is being a middle school principal. That's what I want engraved on my headstone when I die. Uh, that, that will say about as much about me as people would wa want to know. But when I was a middle school, well, building level administrator, but especially as a principal, one of the things that I really, really wanted for my school was we talked about being a family. And a lot of schools do, and they'll have that in a mission statement. I wanted us to be a family. And that, and Ali, that, that really caused me to stop and think, okay, what is that? And mm -hmm. just to condense that down, it's sharing life. It's living life with each other. And if you look at what a school does, a school is a living thing. We have more Im impact, in reach, and, and influence in a community than any other institution. That's church, that's uh, uh, banks, that's it's businesses, that's uh, law enforcement, hospitals, mm -hmm. anything. We're there. And we share life. Kids live their lives with us. Parents mm -hmm. indirectly live their lives with us. And, of course, as faculty, um, we, we live lives with each other. Mm -hmm. And if that's the way it's going to be, let's make the best of that. And the way to make the best of that is first realizing this is not a job. It's not even a career. It's sharing life with each other. Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. You just summarized my book. Thank you. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I talk about personal belonging and professional belonging, and it's all related to everything that you just said, which is when you create that sense of family and truly family where everybody cares about each other and really invests in each other and becomes that community uh, where people begin to rely on each other and know they can rely on each other. That's, that's just so special. Thank you, Mike. I love I, that. 
Thank mm-hmm. you. I get, I get so much uh, whenever I see former students out and, you know, uh, two things. One was whenever we have visitors in the school, it's always a compliment if, if they say, you know, so many times they were standing in the foyer and they would say, there's something special about the school. I can't put my finger on it. But, you know, I've heard so many people talk about the culture. And if you have a good culture, that, that it, it creates a vibe. And I believe that because I've heard so many people say that. The other thing is, is that when I see either former, former co-workers uh, or mostly students, and they say, you know, I really love being in middle school. Now, how many middle schoolers can say that throughout <laughs> the country? That's not yeah. common. But I've heard, heard right. that so much. And I'm sure I've had some pass through this, and, you know, thank God I'm out of there. <laughs> but they look back and they say, you know, it was it was special. It was mm-hmm. good. And that was something that we all created. Eileen, where I learned that was not in the College of Education, uh, where I, I got my pre-service education. It wasn't, it wasn't there, actually. Uh, it goes back to my hometown. And I was, I've been really fortunate and, and, and blessed with being able to work around people and in settings, work settings, to where there was a feeling of family. And nice. uh, one of those uh, came, uh, I worked in a small livestock, livestock feed manufacturing barn, sacking corn, okay? Now, I might be getting out of the culture here. No, but that's in, okay. In Tennessee, sacking corn, I was sacking corn, that's what I did. <laughs> but I worked with the family's family on two brothers, and oh my gosh, everybody that came in there in a farming rural community, you mm-hmm. knew each other, you know, and, and, and you took care of each other. You laughed together, you cried together when there was a, a hardship. Then I went on and I became a, a, an emergency medical technician. I was an EMT while I went to college. I was working mm-hmm. full time. And, and and I understand those services. And yeah. you have to act as a family there. If you don't, you're not going to make it. Right. Uh, that's where the support comes from. And that's how we settled our differences. It's not like we got along all the time. But we loved each other on a deep level that we knew what mm-hmm. the mission was. That's where I learned you got to have that mission first. Everybody has to know the mission and has to accept that mission. And mm-hmm. then that's where uh, everything else comes in. And um, uh, mm-hmm. I was great there. We lived, uh, we, we lived together. We laughed together. We cried together. Uh, so when I went into education, uh, that's what I wanted it wherever I went. I wanted to, to work hard and play hard. And I wanted my kids mm-hmm. to have that, my students. And then when I, I became an administrator, that's what I wanted my staff to have. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I, I know that when you walk into a building and you feel that energy, it's just a different energy. It's from what's on up on the walls and the way people react as you walk in the door and walk down the hallways and walk into the classrooms. You're right, Mike. It really is a culture. And and you can you can tell uh, from the moment that you step inside. And th- that's just so wonderful. I've always said that, just as an aside, I've always said that I feel like the most difficult grade levels for me to, to be involved with, and I never had the chance to teach them, would be middle school. And so to hear you talk so lovingly about middle school, it's like, well, Maybe I should think twice about that. Not that I'm planning on unretiring myself, but I 
probably should have talked to you many years ago when I was thinking about where I wanted to teach because you definitely are convincing about, about middle school. So, so our next question is, take us on your journey through your educator experience. Where did your passion for education begin? And now that you're retired, how does it continue? Okay, um, great questions. One of the, I've always uh, loved learning. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what setting or anything like that, but things that catch me, I'm more of an opportunistic learner that if, uh, if I got friends that are into something that I don't know anything about that looks interesting, I want to get involved in that. I'm not really a seeker of, uh, you know, by myself, but mm -hmm. I, I, like to, I like to learn. Um, the other day I was on social media and a question came up, said, what's your reading story? And uh, one of the things in the middle school that, that we did was uh, we really focused on developing a culture of reading. And it's not, that's a long story too. That's a whole nother podcast, but uh, <laughs> there's so much to reading. And, and a lot of people think, well, I don't, I'm not a reader. I don't like to read, but they'll pick up a magazine or they'll go through a DIY or, you know, and they read for information. They look at the mm -hmm. newspaper or they'll pick up something online. That's reading. That's literacy. So I've always had a heart for that. Uh, when I was working for uh, the ambulance service as an EMT, this is how I got into education. We, uh, we were called in to do a, a professional development session for my former teachers at the small high school I went to, uh, me and a co-worker. And uh, when we went in, they were, Eileen, uh, disrespectful. Sometimes teachers can, mm. can be less, they can be a difficult audience. Mm. And this group was... And uh, while I was trying to explain to them life-saving things to do to save lives, they were knitting, they were reading the paper, they were talking to each other. So, uh, so I kind of had an outburst of my own. I'll bet they mm. were good role models for that. So I had an <laughs> outburst and, and I told them, uh, hey, you know, what's the deal? Two years ago when I was here, if I'd acted like that, you'd have me standing out in the hall or sitting down to the principal's office. What I'm trying to teach you is really more important than anything I learned here. And you know, Eileen, what my what the response was? They looked at me and they went back to knitting and reading <sighs> their newspaper. So, so, so that evening, wow. uh, my wife, who I just started dating, she was an exceptional student, quite the opposite of myself in high school. But we were talking, and she was she had just started her freshman year. She was becoming an educator, and anyway, I was complaining about that experience. Mm -hmm. And I said, "You know, I said I had worked so hard because I wanted to impress them, and I had, I had this lesson, and I had it drawn up, and I was really passionate about what I was doing." And I said, "They didn't even listen." And I said, "It's not as if they could teach all that good anyway." So my wife said, "Well." why don't if you think you could do better why don't you why don't you become a teacher the world needs better teachers nice so it got me thinking and uh, my experiences in ems where they bring the ambulance out and show it to kindergarten kids nobody else wanted to do that that i worked with right. i was younger so i would volunteer for all that i got to teaching uh i had an opportunity to teach red cross uh first aid courses 
as an 18, 19 year old. How fun. So all those experiences really prepared me. So when I went back to school, I had a plan together and I thought, this is what I want to do. This, mm -hmm. this really combines uh, that love of learning yeah. with a love of sharing what you learn and being able to interpret it. And those experiences of not always being a successful student mm -hmm. really helped me out as far as reaching kids and being uh, uh, very cognizant about what was relevant to them. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I've been. Yeah, that's where I've been. Mm -hmm. So where I'm at right now is, you know, it's kind of the same way. When you retire, it's uh, it, it's cool for a while. Uh, every day is like Saturday. I recommend it highly. But <laughs> looking around, one of the things was looking around, I still wanted to be relevant. And it's like I retired kind of young. And it's not like I'm out of date. My shelf life has expired. Right. So that's what I was getting back into. And, and for the last 15 years or so, one of the specialty areas that I've done as far as presenting to educators was on the topic of poverty and how to reach mm -hmm. and bridge gaps between students of poverty, parents and communities of poverty, and middle, typically middle-class school values. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing now, among other things, but new principal burnout I've done some work with that that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. My son is a third-year assistant principal, so he has a heart for that as well. So we're doing some father-son things on that, which is interesting because I think I know it all. <laughs> I know I know it all. He thinks he knows it all, so that's kind of a we have a good and time. You meet somewhere in between. We yeah. meet somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So our yeah. audience will have to decide who's right, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. And you must be so proud of him, I'm sure, you know, another generation of, of educators. And that, that's really cool that you and your wife had such an influence on, on his decision to follow that path. That, that's always really, really wonderful. So Yeah, definitely. I yeah. want to give a shout out to my daughter also. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a couple of years younger and she is in HR, but, and mm -hmm. she, she was adamant. She did not want to go into education like the rest of us. Yeah. But one of the things she'll say secretly is that I really love HR when I get to teach. So she's, uh -huh. she's a secret. She's kind of a closet teacher, but I'm proud mm -hmm. of both of them as far as wanting to share and sharpen skills of others. That's cool. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that, you know, and that's definitely needed. Because if you're modeling, if you're teaching in, in other positions, you're creating the possibilities for others. So it's, it's also a kind of mentoring and coaching, which is, which is teaching, right? So yeah, that's Correct. wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. So as part of your position as Assistant Director of Curriculum and Development, you led several special projects, including your district's digital conversion initiative. Many schools yes. and districts meet with resistance to these kinds of change initiatives. Can you kind of tell, uh, tell me and tell our listeners about how you went about planning and implementing it? And if you met re with resistance, how did you overcome it? <laughs> and even not yeah. just directly related to that particular initiative, because you were involved with many others. So please expand it as, as you'd mm. like to. Yeah, I'd be glad to talk about uh, the digital conversion. Uh, first of all, when I interviewed for the job at the central office, they asked a question about how would you, what steps would you take to manage a digital conversion process? 
and I had to be honest, I didn't know exactly what they were talking about, digital conversion. I had to mm -hmm. Google it and it was <laughs> one to one and it's like, oh, one to one. Yeah. Okay. I get that. The school I was at and, and kind of my background, uh, teaching gifted and, and, uh, growing, growing up professionally in the eighties, I always had a hand in the technology. I always try to keep up with the technology. And one of the things that, that I saw, especially being the leader of the middle school was that, uh, you, you have a limited amount of resources. And so mm -hmm. you have to put a lot of time and energy into getting technology. You can't be, you can't be, uh, uh, frivolous with what you get. You can't have something right. today and it be out of date tomorrow. Yep. So it really made me stop and think what is relevant, what works, and does it meet mm -hmm. the mission? What is the mission is providing the best educational experience possible. Right. And uh, part of that is academic growth, achievement and growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I went to the district level, one of the things that um, that we had decided we built a great team. I had uh, uh, two great leaders, one on the IT side who is a, a phenomenal person, an, another uh, who was on the professional development side. And mm -hmm. so we had, we have both of those needs met, which is the key to a success. And when we looked at, okay, what do we do? And the first thing we had to decide, Eileen, was, okay, are these going to be tools? Or are they going to be something that we can brag about having? Are they going to be something we just turn the kids loose on and, mm -hmm. you know, we, we buy the, the programs for and just turn them loose and say, okay, here you go. Mm -hmm. uh, we did not want to do that. We wanted to make sure that our, our instructional strategies were right mm -hmm. and that, and that technology was used to support those instructional effective instructional technologies. So, so that's what learning comes first. We yes. always said from day one, learning, student learning comes first. Mm -hmm. If that was our mission, that if, we, if something came along, it looked good. But if it didn't help us meet that mission of student learning, uh, we pass. And we did. We passed out a lot of stuff. But uh, when we got into it, the, the, the buying the Chromebooks, which we thought would be the hard part, was actually the easiest. It was far easier to put devices in the hands of kids than we were prepared for. So, man, we just went full court press on how do we train our teachers in this? And we're talking about uh, 900 certified staff. So it's oh, not, wow. a small, not a small endeavor here. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, how do we do that? And uh, Colleen Madison, who uh, was our, uh, uh, I don't know what her title was. She wanted to be called a czarina, but that was a little extravagant. <laughs> she was our PD leader and, and she worked, uh, tirelessly and, and there were some others and, and some of the things that we got was we got everybody on the same page with uh, a homemade training uh, we modeled as we went one of the biggest things that uh, that we just so happened and you talk about uh, things uh, the 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 tumblers of the universe clicking in unison mm -hmm. this is one of those things that the state our state department had sent us to a training on developing teacher leader programs, coaches within the schools, not removing teachers from the classroom, but mm -hmm. giving them time to be coaches in areas of need or expertise. We were looking at, I, you know, and it was kind of like one of those light bulb moments that were like, okay, yeah, literacy, math. And then it was like, man, we got this whole new thing with digital conversion coming up. Sure. We have these front runners. We have a handful of front runners that know what they're doing. 
why don't we do this with technology? And so we did. And it was wow. one of the most successful things uh, where every school had two resident teacher leaders, which were on-site coaches. We provided training to, we provided training on how to be a coach. We learned a lot. We weren't perfect by any means, but we learned mm-hmm. so much. And then we, we did visible learning from the John Hattie uh, School of Research right. on instructional strategies. Uh, that meshed together with our teacher leader programs. And so that allowed us to build the instructional strategies along with the digital conversion and the technology. Right. So that took us much farther. And one of the things mm-hmm. that, that I would tell people is if you do it right, if you have the right goal yes. in mind, the right mission in mind, and you do it right, uh, the impact and power of what you do is far greater than a Chromebook or a device. Absolutely. It's a culture. It's a total mindset changer. It's a total culture changer. And, and I'm proud. I think that that's what we did the last year and a half. I'm really proud of my district. Um, they were able to keep going and maintain learning. And uh, there's a lot of talk about learning loss, the learning loss here, uh, was much, much less than it was in other areas of the state. And I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with those, not the devices. We had those. That's good. Right. But it was the mindset of the students and the teachers and the administrators that we can get this done. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and you hit upon a key piece of that is that, you know, the whole whole thing about things aligning is that you actually had leaders who were teachers in their classrooms who were already bought into the idea of and had and were comfortable with it and so they were able to to you know to coach and also be able to lead the others and make them feel more comfortable with with the whole idea and then on top of that not assuming that just because they were good at it that they would be good coaches but giving them that training. So I I love the fact that it was looked upon so holistically. It was a whole package that you needed to put together along with aligning it with the mission and the uh, instructional, um, you know, the instruction that it all had to align. And it was there to help and support but it wasn't just the jazzy thing that you were going to put so you could tell the rest of the community, look what we have. I just, you know, like I said, so holistic. I, I love that. And um, obviously that's, you know, the reason why it was so successful because that's the way you all looked at it and you had everybody on board who was leading, leading it. So. Um, and I uh, to go mm-hmm. back, to sure. go back to your theme of belonging. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we brought these teacher leaders together and there were uh, around 45 of them, you know, okay. two, two to three in every school, when we brought them together, we met once a month, we would go to co- state conferences together. Okay. They got to where they would present. You talk about iron, sharp, sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. That was a family. That was a community. That was, they had a lot in mind. They, they love mm-hmm. to work together. They love playing together um there were friendships uh that that we were well, I, I would call them my ttl family 
you know, wow. and, and uh, that special part of belonging and being part. And we knew that what we were part of wasn't a digital conversion. It was a culture change. Yes. So absolutely. yeah, having those big, having those big goals and those big missions are, are what creates belonging as well. Sure. And that rubs off on everybody else that they're interacting with. And when they did meet resistance, because I'm sure at times they either met resistance yeah. or they met people who were uncomfortable with the technology, um, felt like yes. they, they weren't able to do it for whatever the reason, they had people to go back to in that community to say, I'm not sure what to tell. Have you had this kind of problem? What should I do? And they knew they would have people that they could rely on to give them those answers from that community. And it's that's that's the wonderful part of it. So I love how you related that to that sense of belonging because yes, it's it's all related and it does rub we, off on everybody. Mm -hmm. We definitely met with resistance and, and that's kind of funny. One of the first things that I wanted to do as a leader, uh, I got together a, a slideshow uh, with the progression of what we were going to do, the phases that we were going to do. Sure. And, and the two things, that, and I went to every school, spoke to every staff, and me, I, you know, that, that was on me. And mm -hmm. uh, I wanted them to have a face, and this is who answers for this. This is who's responsible. If you have a problem, if you have a question, I will, I will help you. But one of the things that we said was, is that we don't have all the answers and we're all starting in the same place. And you may not feel that way. You may not feel we're not going to leave anybody behind. And that was my mm -hmm. commitment. I said, this is our commitment, guys, mm -hmm. is that we're going to get through this together. We're going to learn through this together. It's worth it. It is worth it. And to come at the end and you always have that, uh, you know, you have that stage where people have fear of change. And mm -hmm. it's learning something new, Eileen. It's, it's taking that step out about what if I suck at this? Right. What if I can't do this anymore? This is my livelihood. Mm -hmm. And we had all those questions, but we answered them head on. We answered them head on. We didn't shy away from them. And if I didn't have answers, I would say, look, I don't have an answer, mm -hmm. but we're going to find out. We'll be there. And we had those resources that well, I would send people into teachers. I, I meet in, in, in the supermarket crying. They'd say, I'm so afraid of that. I'm afraid I can't do this. And I'd say, I'll have somebody out. And I had resources to be able to pick up the phone and say, go in that teacher's classroom, find out what they need and stay with them until they get it. Wow. And, and that, that was a community builder. And really mm -hmm. it taught us that we can do these big things. But the resistance part, I did go into the high school one time, the lar their largest high school where I was an AP, where my kids went to school, where my wife taught, was an administrator at one time. And I'd heard, hey, they're really wanting, you know, they're going to chew on your behind uh, because this is not going over. And, and I didn't have it. So I said, okay, I want to go. And I went and had a touch of the flu, I think. And it was miserable. I felt miserable. And they were the last group. And I said, look, guys, I know. Because they were like my family. And I said, mm -hmm. look, guys, I know. I know you said you're going to chew on me and I'm going to give you a chance to do that. I said, but just let me tell you that we were going through these training modules and I said I went through this training module two days ago and I said I got so frustrated that I had to call my son and ask him for help well they knew my son so they all started laughing <laughs> then I said do you know uh, I, I, I said here I am supposed to be leading this and I said I struggle with it mm -hmm. I said so yeah, yeah if you struggle with it listen I totally get it I said I could absolutely kick the asses of whoever thought this up which was me 
and uh, you know, we we broke the ice, and then it was like yeah. they started sharing what their concerns and fears mm-hmm. and what the problems were. And then we got those problems fixed. And a few few months later, they came back and they said, you know, we we said that we we resisted and we didn't like this, but you know, we hung on and we helped each other. And they were complimenting those teacher leaders. They were complimenting others, and they were saying we got through it. And that was huge, you know. That's huge. That's a that is a big deal because when you think that you're not going to be able to do something and then you accomplishment accomplish it, it's you know, and to be celebrated also. Wow, yeah. that that just builds up your confidence like a hundred hundredfold. But I want to also pick up on what you were doing and what your team was doing, but you especially by being that voice going out and, and being vulnerable, showing them that, you know, it's okay not to know. Sometimes I don't know, but we'll all be in this together. And that communication part of the vision, these are the phases. You know, what happens often in education, no matter where you are in the world, is somebody will come in with a big idea and have it in their head and maybe share it with a small group of people and knows where it's headed, but not share it with anybody. And that is really scary for people who are just getting at the beginning and thinking, oh, this is just another flavor of the day. And we're going to all have to get involved with it because we're forced to, and we're going to be evaluated about it. And then we're going to just trash it. And so there's no buy-in. This mm-hmm. too shall pass syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's common here and everything that we brought up mm-hmm. and all the, you know, that's, that was one initiative that we did. I uh, heard that on every one of them, but it got to be to where when I would hear it, you know, I would take it seriously, you know, but uh, I'd laugh inside because I would think you're saying this too shall pass. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking you too shall pass because mm-hmm. this will happen. This will happen. And you can say that it won't, but you'll come around. So most of the time, most of the time, if you got, if you, if you got a good goal and you, you got, you, you're well-organized and you got people who are bought in the others, if it's worthy, others will Mm -hmm. eventually come along. Oh, absolutely. And if you have a plan, even if you, if the plan doesn't work out completely like you thought and you, and you share that plan. So this is what we're doing short term, but this is where we're headed. It, it really yeah. makes a difference. You know, that's your visionary leader. Yeah. So also as part of your responsibilities, you provided training to educators in your district in diverse areas, such as, and you mentioned it earlier, student poverty. Um, some things you didn't mention, boys in crisis, grant writing, and you yeah. also talked about programming for gifted students. I'm really interested, and I think my listeners would be too, in knowing more about those areas you focused on and maybe some background about your district and, and the student needs, which you've mentioned here and there already, but interested to see you know, what those needs are and, and how those initiatives or how those areas became sort of front, front and center for you. Okay, I'll pick out a couple if that's okay. Sure. Uh, first of all, is a little bit about Blunt County Schools. Blunt County is, uh, like I said, it's about 10,000, 11,000 students a big geographic area. We have two smaller school systems, mm-hmm. city school systems uh, that are within our jurisdiction. 
they're a lot of competition and uh it's very difficult for us because um they're they're they receive additional funding from their city governments I so yeah it's uh, it's it's a competition it's competition for students and who goes where and and everything else um i always had that attitude coming to blunt county that uh you know we don't want to be second to anybody we want to work with people we get along very well with the city groups by the way mm-hmm. but um uh there is a little bit of that fighting for resources fighting for money tennessee's not uh, at the top of the list uh, in the United States as far as funding for their students and Blunt County is about middle of the road for Tennessee so you can mm-hmm. tell kind of where we're at when looking at uh, okay some of those some of those initiatives over the years uh, when I was at the central office one of the first uh, big changes that I was uh, kind of directly involved with but it wasn't my project uh, I was I was an assistant uh, coordinator but it was uh, inclusion and it was mainstreaming our special needs students mm-hmm. and uh, putting them in the classroom. And that was huge. Uh, that was a long-term really had to, that's where I learned uh, when I went back up to the central office, how to implement things where you get by and where you communicate, where you problem solve, where you listen, mm-hmm. uh, you do a lot of listening. Um those those type things one of the things that that i see we're about i don't know if i mentioned this or not we're about 60 65 percent free and reduced lunch here so Uh there's a significant amount of poverty within our district and uh, when i talk about poverty one of the things one of my last things uh before uh, i retired was taking a look at the literacy gap and there is a, a huge literacy gap research shows but between uh, kids when they come prepared for uh, kindergarten mm-hmm. and uh, their their literacy skills really determines whether or not they're ready and, or if they're behind sure. or if we, we can hit the ground running with these kids or not. And what we found is that uh, informally that probably about 25, 35% of our kids are ready or capable to hit the ground running in kindergarten. Mm-hmm literacy wise one of the things that i found discovered through data a lot of people give data a hard time and and i get that but there's a purpose for it if it's used right Right. and one of the things that i looked at in the data was uh wait a minute that sounds familiar so i pulled third grade literacy scores who was on grade level Mm -hmm. about 35 percent wow so i did some more digging eighth grade 33 35 percent 12th oh, wow. grade, ACT scores, about a third. Mm. Here's what, here's the the big revelation with that, Eileen, is that I looked at that and it hit me that we are really good at maintaining kids education-wise where they come to us. If they're ready, we progress them. Yes. If they're not ready or any anywhere on that scale, mm-hmm. spectrum, we progress mm-hmm. them too, but we don't close the gaps very good. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I really wanted. And and that is primarily with literacy, which is incredibly important. Reading is reading mm-hmm. and then writing communication skills to me yes. are the most important things. Math, of course, math, everything else, but it falls off of that. So it's, it is, I'm passionate about 
how do we or what's the deal how do we how do we do that at all levels because it's not just one group of students that you address it's students with all sorts of issues with reading that you address and uh so i wanted to make sure on that tier one the 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 big curriculum let's get something our kids come in they like general knowledge for one thing they're not able to take mm -hmm. advantage of uh, curriculum or reading uh, materials that we have how do we build that right. and uh right after we came in the state department came in and said okay uh for the curriculum adoption it's going to be nothing but um general knowledge or knowledge building curriculum which is great we've seen tremendous results uh, on test scores and otherwise with students nice. and it benefits all students but sure. most importantly it benefits those kids in poverty who come come in behind already right. does a tremendous job of catching them up bit by bit which is what, what i wanted so that's I don't know if that answered your question or not. It but does. At least yes. I got to talk. At least I got to talk about it. But that's something I'm very still very passionate about mm -hmm. is making sure that all of our kids have equity in liter access to literacy. Right, and I know that's one thing that you said that you um, are really passionate about presenting now that you're doing consulting work in your retirement and so forth. So I, I definitely wanted to to highlight that. This isn't on my list of questions, but uh, I, I did notice it when we were on the, the summit, and now I notice it too, those guitars behind you. Please tell me about your relationship with music. I'm a terrible guitar player, uh, <laughs> but, I love, but I love to play. Uh, these guitars, I've I wish I could show you. I've I've got a, a room full. Wow! These are actually Japanese lawsuit copies. Oh. And let me explain that because a lot of people don't know what that means. Uh, mm -hmm. Back in the seventies, primarily in the nineteen seventies, uh, Japanese companies would manufacture guitars that were copies near identical to expensive American-made guitars oh, wow. of higher quality. Mm -hmm. So now when you find them, they, and they quit making them in the early 80s, so you know they haven't been around for a while, but you can still find them in pawn shops and some music stores and things <laughs> like that. Great. So I became, so I became a, a collector of <laughs> Japanese lawsuit copies, and uh, uh, I am a thrift shopper. I do yard sales, rummage nice. sales, love that. I do, have a, I do have a Facebook page called Yard Selling. S-A-L-I-N-G with Mike and Dave, which has all of my finds on it and things. So I'll send you that information. You can post that too in case anybody's interested because that, sure. yeah, that's just where we just get out and have fun, things that we find. One that's of the things funny. that was a tie-in with the middle school mm -hmm. is uh, uh, we decided our, our kids needed to become better readers. How do you do that with a wide population? Well, mm -hmm. you have them read more. So how do we do that? A copy of Donalyn Miller's Book Whisperer uh, was uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the match that lit the fire for us. And so wow. we went by that and challenged our kids. Of course, you have to have a reward if they meet a challenge, right? Sure. So uh, we came up with ideas that we're going to call this Reading Rocks. And at the end of it, we're going to throw a concert, a rock concert in our gym awesome. with a real band, real <gasps> lights, the whole deal. Because wow. a lot of our kids, where they live, rural and, and, mm -hmm. and otherwise, uh, 
I don't know if they'd ever have a chance to see sure. a real. So I wanted to make it a big deal. And uh, so anyway, being the principal and a terrible guitar player, but because I'm boss. <laughs> you made it happen? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, we, we uh, yeah, and I had a great literacy <laughs> leader. Terry Bradshaw was awesome. She's retiring this year, but she was awesome. And her son was a guitar, great guitar player. So we got a band together. And uh, of course they let me in because, you know, I'm, I'm the principal. She's the boss, yeah. Yeah, they turned, they turned my amplifier down, but that's okay. I got to get out and act like a rock star. So that, that's kind of my background oh. with music. Oh, that's awesome. Not quite what I thought, but it's even awesomer. <laughs> I love it. Great story. Oh, Mike, this has been fantastic. I have just enjoyed so much getting to know you and hearing hearing your journey. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? I think we covered pretty much everything. I appreciate, Eileen, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share. Uh, you know, that's what makes a teacher in all of us is mm -hmm. just that enthusiasm to share. And you gave me a, a platform to do that. And I've loved talking and, and meeting you. I'm, it's been a well, I'm uh, same here. And I'm so glad you reached out in the chat uh, when we were at the summit and said, I'd like to be your guest because this has been a real, a real treat for me. Thank you so much. And other than your Facebook thrift page, how can people find you if they want to hop off? And of course, I'll include it in my show notes. Sure. I have a uh, website for my consulting group. It's uh, top 10 EC dot com let me spell that out for you t-o-p-t-e-n-n-e-c dot com it's like top tennessee shortened Love and uh, also i am on uh i'm on uh, facebook linkedin and uh, uh twitter you can especially reach me at twitter at mm -hmm. at top t-e-n-n-e-c all right awesome so and like go. yes and like i said all will be in the show notes Mike, thank you once again. Again, such a treat. Thank you, Eileen. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.